The first cut, cut, the first cut, the first cut, cut, first, the first, first cut. Oh, hey there, hi there. So, uh, welcome back to Craft Truck Podcast. Um, we were in LA talking with a bunch of amazing editors for our In the Cut series, uh, which you can see on crafttruck.com. So we talked to one fellow, Ivan Victor. Uh, Baron Vaughn was interviewing him, and uh, Ivan was editor on such films as Jackass, The Whitest Kids You Know, and Parks and Recreation. There were TV shows, there by the TV way, shows. Not, not feature films. Jackass is a film as well. Yeah, I know, but he didn't. I don't think he edited that one. I could be wrong. Can you edit me right now? <laughs> Should we start over? No. This we're happened not, in my last we're not start. We're not starting over. I just had a brain fart. That's okay. It's totally worth it. It stinks too, by the way. Wouldn't <laughs> mind keeping that to yourself. <laughs> Ivan Victor, an amazing television series editor, if you didn't know. Uh, such series as Jackass, The Whitest Kids You Know, and Parks and Recreation. Um, I wasn't there for this interview. How did that go with Baron? Um... It was great. Baron, Baron There's a lot of laughs, yeah. There was a lot of laughs, but I think the best part was when he was out of questions, and so he started opening it up to the camera crew, and then Alexis had the best question that he asked, and oh, got yeah. asked, and yeah. Yeah. So. Well, we only hang out with people also interested in, in the craft and in the industry, so That's it's true. good to have a backup. Yeah, we don't, we don't ever hang out with anybody who's not interested or in the business. Or interesting. Or at all, yeah. If you're not interesting... Then get out. Even if you're weird, I'd prefer that to somebody boring. Somebody boring, yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. really like movies. There are no accountants that we hang out with. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Yeah. No tax lawyers. No people that work in retail. No, no, no. There is no store clerks that we hang out with. <laughs> no. no. Especially if you work at the Gap. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, tune in and uh, learn more about Ivan Victor and what he's up to. Uh, here you go. There's a podcast. Bing bong. I'll just teach you simple cuts to start with. That's frightening and scary, but yeah. it's him. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll come in with an intro, introductory question. Okay, Cre- a question. Question. I like to put R's in words where there are none. Fabulous. Fabulous. Well, let's fix this in post. Uh, <laughs> okay, so how did you how did you come about becoming an editor? Oof. I started working at ABC News in London. Oh. Many many moons ago, and part of the job was in the production side. So part of the job was working with the editors and there'd be a call saying there's been a coup in Pakistan. Get an editor in, send them off with an edit pack and loads of money. Oh, goodness. To Pakistan. And when it got crazy, you'd have to run in and shove in a tape and select audio and video from some feed from somewhere. And as I was working with the editors, I said, how do you do this? And it was the old days of tape, so it was in point, out point, video one. Oh. It was really basic. So then when I moved to L.A., I told people that I knew how to edit, which was true. I knew how to edit. <laughs> but uh, I don't you knew the mechanics of yeah that. I knew you in point out point and you select video and audio so when you told that to people they were like oh great they heard I'm an editor and then Not, they yeah oh so then you ended up getting some work from that yeah so I started doing news and current affairs kind of things did the odd documentaries music videos and then in 1994 I produced an edited feature called Flesh Suitcase Flesh Suitcase what was that about it was about heroin smugglers Oh. They'd swallow little capsules of heroin. They were flesh suitcases. Exactly. They'd take it, bring things. They were the, the way they, for the they stuff. They would eat and then it would wash and they would... So I'm good, I'm good with that. It all goes wrong. And lots about that film went wrong. However, <laughs> <laughs> it was in the inaugural Slam Dance Film Festival. Oh. And then I was doing more crap reality talk show things, and a friend of mine who I'd worked with years before called up and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I just quit this horrible show, which I won't mention. Um, And he said, well, come do this show. I said, what is it? He said, it's the Tom Green show on MTV. Oh, yeah. So I started doing comedy on the original Tom Green show. On the original Tom Green show. So you had transitioned from doing more news-based kind of things. And you said you were working on, like, uh, talk shows as well? Yeah. And those kind of feel like news programs in the way that they yeah were. they were, you know, little the the talk show was the little rolling that would be one chunk or the package with you know things flying in about some horrible person whose kids had just killed their dad. Oh, it was beautiful all happy stuff. But instead, you transitioned to Tom I was Green. Like, yeah, 
So well, what is what did you was that a good experience for you? It was brilliant because yeah. I was I mean I like to laugh. Laughter is good. Of it's course, best medicine apparently. Yeah, and so the fact that this came out of the blue was brilliant. So I was working with good people, and Tom was super hot at that point. Yeah, I remember watching. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, and it paved the way for Jackass, which I also worked on. So once yes. I got into that MTV comedy stream, as it were. Ah, okay, so you were in the family with Tom Green, which transitioned into Jackass. Well, it was this producer called Jim Biederman who was... Jim Biederman, producer of White's Kids. You know, yeah, I know Jim, yeah. So. Oh, okay, so you were, you were in that Biederman... I was in the Biederman world. The Biederman world. Yes. Not, not Beekman's world. The cult comedy gems of Jim Biederman. Of Jim Biederman. So, well, I wanted to ask, what, is, what did you think were... I guess the differences between working on something that was like what you were working on before, like what was that transition like in terms of how it flowed and how it looked? In terms of the work itself, mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember because that was in the last millennium. That yeah. was 1999. It was kind of easy in a way. It mm -hmm. was just a case of working out how you handle material because Tom's stuff, there was an idea of what the bit was. Mm -hmm. And then what actually happened when was the filming very was, was very different. Mm. But because it wasn't a scripted show where it was shot properly with angles and any kind of coverage, anything goes. So stylistically, it made it a lot easier. You could just cut, jump cut. Well, how much stuff did you end up with before you had to cut it down? Sometimes hours. I mean, the thing with Tom was he was, he's Tom. <laughs> so sometimes he'd go out and shoot for 20 minutes and sometimes he'd go out and shoot for two hours. You'd have two hours of material that would become a 45-second bit. It was a case of finding what was what, what. was what. And was he very involved with you? Like in yeah, he'd come into, yeah, he'd come into the edit and mm. deal with that. Plus, we cut the... There was another editor called AJ Catalina who I worked with a lot who we would cut the bits and then we would swap off doing the shows because that had a studio element to it. So we would deal with the multicam studio thing, right. cutting it to the bit, and then cutting it down to time once it had all been shot. Time. Time. Time's always very important, isn't it? Pa to, to the bean counters, yeah. <laughs> so you've got to get the commercials in at the right point. Right, right, exactly. Well, I guess I'm a little curious about the, the difference between, because you, again, you've worked on a lot of comedy, starting with the Tom Green stuff, and I see that you've worked on things like 1600 Pin very recently, mm -hmm. uh, as well as Parks and Rec, things like Curb Your Enthusiasm, etc., etc. And I guess I was curious as to what the difference is between working on a scripted show as opposed to something that's chaotic like a jackass? The difference is, is that a scripted show is more about executing and improving an idea that's been well thought out. Mm. For example, in Parks and Rec, those scripts were really tight, really honed. There was improv on top of them, and it was a case of finding the best performance with the best shot size, if there was a good improv, fitting that in, <clears throat> excuse me, as opposed to something like Jackass, where it's what's you know what's the bit here? There was a bit that I cut in the first season called Squid Suit. I already like the sound of it. Where Johnny Knoxville goes and puts on some overalls that have hooks on them that are covered in squid. The idea was that he would walk down to the beach or hobble because he'd already he'd broken his ankle jumping the LA River and see if he'd get attacked by seagulls. Okay. So it's the typical, let's do the, the jackass bit where, let's do the prep, he puts the suit on, he walks down, people say hello. He, and what happened in the shoot was he walks to the beach, nothing happens, and at the end he goes to the Redondo Pier and jumps in the ocean. And everyone said, this is a bust, this is it's just, it's fucked, it's, it's a wash. Right. And what I saw, because it was the early days, was that the cameraman was shooting across the line. So one of the cameramen was pretty, pretty consistently in the other cameraman's shot and he was getting pissed off. He's going, Nate, get the fuck out of the shot, get out of the shot. Right, right. So I made the bit about Nate being in the shot. <laughs> so I had an arrow with Nate's name saying Nate. So you'd see PJ walking down the, you know, walking down the beach and there'd be a shot here and you'd see Nate crouching behind the wall getting him. So the bit became oh, okay. the fact that they were in each other's way and Rick was getting really pissed off at Nate. That's just so meta. Yeah. <laughs> so, for example, on Curb Enthusiasm or, or any of these scripted shows, you're right. not p particularly doing something that extreme. Right, because there's already, like you said, there's already a good idea. It's executing the idea yeah. that's already there. Okay. Let me dig for a question here. Do, 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 do. Nate Walton. 
What? Yes, you know Nate? I, I went to college with him. You did? <laughs> we were in the same class. There you go. Oh, Actually, see, look at this. Me, I, I operated for a day on Jackass 3D. That movie was. I love that film. Wow, you actually, you actually answered like the first eight questions. Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> totes, <laughs> totes incredible. That's great because I was like, I was just searching. So, okay, this is an interesting one. Um, I'll be a judge of that. <laughs> well, you worked on uh, the Wise Kids, yes, as we talked about, which is a sketch comedy yeah. show, which I was on. cut to his sketch. Um, but uh, not that episode. You didn't work on that episode, but. There's a question here, which is just basically what to you is the difference between cutting something that is like a sketch show uh, or something that's a longer arc for comedy, like a, like a 30-minute show? Sorry, I got some beer bubbles. Beer bubbles. Beer bubbles. That was my nickname in high school. <laughs> that's what they used to call me. Nice. Uh-oh. Beer bubbles is a coming, Uh-oh. they'd say. Whoops. Go ahead. I'm, not, I'm, I'm just thinking because the, the thing is, in a sketch, a sketch, the, if there is an arc to it, it's a, obviously a much, much shorter, shorter arc. Yeah. Whereas in you know a half-hour comedy, if there's an emotional component, then you're going to deal with, is, does a reaction shot here set up something that goes there? Does right. someone see something here? Excuse me. So, so you're playing the story of the emotion. Of yeah, whatever. it's just that there's, you, you're sometimes stretching the story out a little bit longer. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not a massive massive difference because if you're within a scene, for example, you're pacing stuff, you're, you know, you're pacing the dialogue or the reactions for how it works in that scene. Right. Now, in a, in a, in a longer show, especially something like Parks and Rec where the, we would overshoot by about 50%, it's a case of tightening, 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 and then letting stuff breathe. Whereas in sketch... You know, it's three minutes, four minutes, five right. minutes. So there's not a, it's not a lot of room for that. Right, you got to keep it to the, the precious. Where precious it gets, time. where it gets diff- where it's different is when you're putting together a sketch show for TV. If you're two minutes long, where do you, which sketch do you pull the time from? Mm-hmm. Where do you tighten? Which jokes do you lose? Which is similar to if you're doing a half-hour show and you're a minute over, where do you pull that time from? Uh, and speaking of that. Whom is it that you find yourself collaborating with to find those places to pull time? It depends on the show. On network shows, there's generally a showrunner who most of the time is the head writer. Right, of course. On something like The White Kids, you know it would be Zach and Trevor. Um, (laughs) Sometimes I've done other shows where it would be the executive producer who's not necessarily the head writer and the showrunner, but is the showrunner in terms of dealing with every aspect of the show. Right, right. But on network TV, well, on Curb it was Larry, and unfortunately I didn't get to quite finish my episode because I was in for a set amount of time. Oh, really? And someone else finished it. Okay, so what, you just... But, what, yeah, but I do, you do work with Larry, and Larry is very hands-on. Yeah, I would assume with, so. Yeah, he watches... Why, why did you run out of time? HBO are really nice and loyal, and Roger Nygaard, who'd done a couple of seasons, was off doing another project and couldn't start, so they said, okay, well, you can come back in this six weeks, we'll get someone else to fill in. Okay. So I filled in. You were the fill-in. At Roger's, at Roger's uh, recommendation? No, John Corn. Okay. You know John? No, I don't. No. <laughs> but I didn't want you to see that I didn't. Okay, you did well. Like, okay. Yeah, you and John. You go way back. Me and John. Yeah. He's he coming, was called Beer Bubbles. He used to call me Beer Bubbles. That's what we were. We he, I was beer, he was bubbles. Nice. And then we used to high-five until our hands hurt. <laughs> and just belch all over each other. Exactly. It was disgusting, but it was fun. Next question. Okay. Um, well, that's a, it kind of leads me into, like, who is it that's typically over your shoulder? So you kind of do that, but who is it that you... Uh, will have in a room sometimes that you're like, well, I wish you weren't here. Nobody. <laughs> They're all wonderful. What a diplomatic answer. They're great. <clears throat> um, sorry for the cough. Again, on the network stuff, mm-hmm. typically the rule is no one gets to see anything before the director does. So you'll get your dailies. They'll shoot five days for a half hour. You get two to three days after dailies to get your cut out, then you'll work with the director for a day or two, mm-hmm. then the executive producers will see it, and typically you'll then just work with the showrunner, and because their job is so busy, they'll come down for an hour here, for an hour there, you'll... You show know, them what you got. Yeah, they'll leave you with some notes, 
and over the course of a week or so they'll come down for enough time to get it good enough to go to network uh, without uh, blowing up anybody's names or anything can you think of a particular experience that was uh, rather unpleasant no they've all been great okay how about a particular experience <laughs> Not going there. that was rather pleasant they've all been um... <laughs> equal di- diplomacy I appreciate it the, th- the thing is there's several aspects to the job of editing right. and one of them is the social aspect right. and you'll come across actors who are also executive producers who give you notes executive producers who maybe don't have the best bedside manner and if you want, want to keep working you have to take it all on board then you'll get network notes and generally there's a the showrunner or the executive producer will be a, will be a buffer between you and those notes mm. Buffer in what way? Just if there's an argument about whether this is the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do, they'll have that with the network or the studio, and you don't get involved in that. Lucky you. But a lot of the time, you feel like this is the right way to do it, and someone else has different taste, different feeling on how something should be paced, and so you're you're kind of like a chef at a decent restaurant, but not a great restaurant. Because okay. if you're at a great restaurant... You can say no substitutions, no changes. This is how I cook the steak. This is how I cook the tuna. Right, right. The salad always has the dressing on it. You can't have it on the side. Mm. So if you're one of those restaurants, you're the auteur. That doesn't happen. You, but it's the, the restaurant where you say, well, how would you like the steak set? Right. And if you as a trained chef feel like it should be cooked just this way, but the customer says burn the fuck out of it, you burn the fuck out of it. Okay, because you want, you want that customer to come back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although, of course, in the restaurant business, if they say, burn the fuck, you give them the old steak that you're about to throw out. True that. And then they'll be like, hey, who burnt this? Yeah. My compliments to the, to the burner. Okay. I'm going to search for another question and see okay. if it's exactly what I was thinking about. <laughs> do, 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 that's, that's my searching for a question. Interlude. Interlude. Exactly. Oh, fun Cut Pro. Why would you I know. That? Why would you do that? Well, okay. That, that's, a, that's an interesting question, actually. <laughs> I thought it would be an interesting yeah. question. Is that why you said that? Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Edit that out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say, because you you started with very basic tools. Yeah. And what do you kind of work with mostly now? I prefer Avid. You prefer Avid? I would say, Mm -hmm. because I'm not a huge tech head, I have friends who say with Final Cut Pro, it's not Final and it's not Pro. For me, my creative process has evolved using that piece of software. Yeah, there are things that it does that have informed the way in which I work. And if you were to give me something on Final Cut Pro, I could do it. There's some very strange movies that I've made, which you, I'm sure you've got that question there about the movies as opposed to the TV shows. And I supervising edited those, so someone else did the basic assembly, so I was just tightening them and dealing with structure. Okay. But if you were to give me something from scratch on Final Cut Pro, I'd have to work out a different way of doing it. Well, uh, how so? I know. For all the editor heads out there. For all the editor heads out there. <laughs> but you're saying like the way that the, the, the interface of the program informs how you work on it. That correct. <sighs> nice. So the interface works. of the program. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you, but it does. So if you saw Final Final Cut Pro, it's just the way that it works differently. Yeah, it's. A, yeah, you can get closer later. This is a very. To me, this is a cu- cluttered. Click on this, and something comes out, and. Okay. Whereas this. So to summarize, no likey. Th- no. Um, Preferry other one. Oh, okay. Um, but like I said, for me, the 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 way in which I work is informed by how the software works. I use locators a lot, and so mm. I'll watch stuff and I'll write stuff down. Then I'll add locators with different colors for different things. And there's a beautiful locator window. I'm sure you cut to a full screen of the locator window at this point, and you can navigate based on you can sort based on text or based on color. So I have a whole system going. Oh. Whereas that one doesn't do that. It don't do that. Sorry, Jobs. You dead. <laughs> He's dead. You dead. <laughs> you spit that's, on the dead man's that's grave. That's awful. I'm not spitting on it. He'll he'll mm. edit it out. Uh, it. Let's see. Let's go down here. Um, oh, okay. This is a good one. So you would you had touched on this a little bit before because you had talked about. I mean, we talked about Curb, which is heavily improv, and you said it in Parks and Rec, there's some improv that happens with that. So how? What's the process of incorporating? When you've worked on something that in which there's a lot of improv, how do you incorporate all that badass stuff? 
Well, on Curb, as the scenes are shot, mm -hmm. Larry generally, or whoever's directing, will say, oh, this bit where you talked about the raspberry was really good, the bit where you talked about the apricot, that's not... So you see there are five takes where they're discussing raspberries as opposed to two with apricots. Okay. Apricot. Okay, I'm sorry, yeah. Sorry, I was fruit talk. I, I know. It's just got, the it accent. got fruity really quickly. It's an accent yes. thing, right? So with that, there are, there are clues. Um, with Parks and Rec, the improvs were more different ways into the scene, different ways out of the scene, mm. alt jokes. And generally speaking, on, on most shows, it's about the first cut is about delivering the script. Right, right. And if there's a great improv, you'll throw it in because it's great. But because I use my locators so much on the Avid, I always know what improvs there are because I know, all right, here's the thing where they said this, here's the thing where they said... So, I mean, I have it all to hand quite quickly when it's time to work with the showrunner. It'll be a case of, all right, there were these six improvs in this scene. You want to see some of them, and it's very easy for me to find them. Is everything okay? What's going on? Uh-oh. Oh, okay. I got, I got very, very nervous. <laughs> I was like, oh, did everything go off? And you guys are like, this is great, we're losing More alcohol for this minute. Oh, no. No, I'm totally fine. I don't know what that is. Um, okay, let me go down here. Mm. <coughs> oh. Do you, so, do you still find yourself surprised? Like, after you watch a take? I'm still working. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, still find, you find yourself surprised, you still work. Yes. No, like, after you watch a tape, like, uh, a take, or uh, a particular scene, like all these different takes of a scene, do you find yourself still laughing at certain certain things, or you just... There, there are moments where you'll watch dailies and you'll laugh really hard at something, you know, all right, I've got to put that in. Then, because TV's such a fast turnaround, you oftentimes don't have time to pace things up properly. It's more a case of, are we telling the story properly? Are all the jokes there? Then it's a case of making the jokes work by fine-tuning the timing. Mm -hmm. And I find there'll be a point where that is a good point that, out? that is a very good get that out that's a very good that's point. not going out obviously <laughs> <laughs> that's gold right see that's the moment you keep in yeah exactly exactly so, so you we'll leave that to our editor. so when you watch when you watch the dailies you have your first impressions of certain takes yeah. certain jokes and you write that down you're like awesome I love that's that that's great that's a Gotta gold keep star that white locator then there's generally a point where it becomes about mechanics of, is this working, is the timing right, and you'll watch it and you won't laugh, but I'm never worried because I know later on I'll laugh again. Right, there are right. some people laugh at everything. Jim Biederman is one. He'll just laugh at the same thing. It's funny once, it's funny all the time. Right. For me, there comes a point where it's about the mechanics of, I'm watching it now to see how the story tracks, I'm watching it now to see if the timing is good, and then it becomes funny again. Okay, all right. So you get into the rhythm of it. Yeah. And then once you've got that, then you're like, okay, now it's... Yeah. If I stay away from it, don't look at it for a day, and I come back, yeah. ha-ha, I did... I also don't... I'm, I've worked, worked with alongside a lot of editors who do multiple, multiple, multiple... will just never stop noodling. And for me, I get to a point where I feel like, oh, this is good. There's, there's, I mean, I could noodle. You, If you have time, you can cut because you will... 15 different ways. I just feel like... There's a point at which it's good. Let's let's move on. Especially you're gonna get notes anyway, right? Yeah. After that, okay. Yeah. You're gonna get notes too. Well, I'm just uh, making sure I'm getting this, this bad boy going, man. I am just. You're doing a great job. <laughs> Employee of the month right now. I don't know about that. Okay. Um. Oh, okay. Well, this is related to um, this is related to Jackass, uh, in a sense. Uh, what is the difference in Jackass and how often I would assume this would come up a lot between something that is funny or just painful? What's the difference? Well, did, well, did that come up where we were just like, okay, that well, we like, thought it, it was going to be funny? Wrong? Yeah, we thought this was going to be funny, but this is, this is just now disgusting. Did they ever have a line like that? They're just like, mm. <laughs> no. There's no, you, know, you can't remember anything where there was like a particular debate about a, a certain. The debates were more with MTV. There was a bit where, I don't know if you remember, where Steve-O made an omelette. Steve-O and Dave England made an omelette. Okay. By I don't remember. eating the ingredients for an omelette and then vomiting them up into a pan and cooking them. Okay. No, Dave England did that, and then Steve-O ate the omelette, and then he vomited. Okay. Remember that one? Yeah. And MTV made, 
made us reshoot it based on OSHA standards. So everybody had to be wearing hazmat suits and they had to make sure that the vomit omelette was cooked to a certain temperature. So there were two, two versions of that. So, But that wasn't too disgusting. So, I'm sorry, what standards again? OSHA, Occupational Safety and Health. So they have standards for vomits? Well, they have standards for bloodborne pathogens. And even though it's vomit, it's apparently bloodborne pathogens. Okay. So if it's been vomited, it has to be heated to a certain temperature to kill the... Now I see what you're saying. <laughs> but I feel it's kind of like yogurt. Yogurt. Um, apricot yogurt. Okay, now I know what you're talking you're about. If you pronounce it differently. But I feel like you heat it up, where's the goodness? <laughs> Where is the goodness? I mean, you got to have a vomit medium rare. So I th- it never happened during the series where someone got really pissed off and said, you know, was outraged or upset, that wouldn't go in. And right. That didn't really happen because people generally took it pretty decently. They were all they all signed up for the same thing. Yeah. I mean but also, you know, bystanders and onlookers on standers. So there there generally wasn't that. There there was a sensitivity if people were genuinely upset, but that didn't really happen because people were doing stuff to themselves generally as opposed to other people. That was part of the charm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Let me go back down here. Speaking of vomlets it's the second, Hungry much? That's the second best word I've ever come up with. <laughs> Is a vomlet. Oh, goodness. All right. Ooh, all right. Let's go down here to this one. Do you have any uh, from different... What is one of the favorite shows that you've worked on? I've liked a lot of them. Jackass was great fun. Yeah. Parks and Rec was great fun. I loved my brief time on Kirby Enthusiasm. Andy Dick show, the original sketch comedy on MTV was good. Oh, the Andy Dick show. Yeah. Oh, Andy, Andy Dick. You and Andy? I've no Andy. No, that hasn't happened. Too old. He, he'll say hello yeah. like that. I'll be like, okay, Andy. Yeah. No touchy. But that, yeah, no, um, no touchy, no likey. What else? what else have I done that I really enjoy? I love pilot season. Yeah. That I did with Sam Cedar and Sarah Silverman, Isla Fisher, Michael H. Cock, David Cross. Love Sam. I love all those people, but yeah. Sam would probably be the least known of the people yes, that you just named. Unless you're political. But that was great fun, too. True, true, true. Do you have a, a favorite episode or anything that you remember from a Parks or a Jackass? Well, Jackass were bits more. My favorite Jackass was probably the Gumball Rally special. Do tell it. It was an hour-long special. Mm-hmm. The Gumball 3000 is this... Gumball. Yeah. So, okay. Gumball. I thought you said Gumball, like Bryant. <laughs> Wasn't, didn't he have a brother, too? Yeah, Greg. Harry. <laughs> he met Sally. Harry's a fa- failure. He's a, he's a bum. <laughs> Harry Gumball. The Gumball 3000 is a road rally that's been going for probably 15 years now. Okay. It's really high-end. We did it in 2000. It was 106 cars that went from London to Russia and back. Three and a half thousand miles in six days, 12 countries. Oh, now I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was Knoxville, Steve-O, Pontius, and I shot that as well as produced it and edited it. So we did that thing for six days. I came back with 90 hours of footage. Six weeks later, it was down to 43 minutes and ready for air. So it was a double rally. It is, okay, that is incredible. I'm just, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around having that much footage and then turning it into that. It helped that I was actually on the rally. If I hadn't been there and shot it as well, it would have been impossible. I would assume so. But I knew what was what. Um, Fuck for other things. My favorite episode of Curb that I cut is the one episode that I cut. (laughs) Okay, of course. Funkhouse's Crazy Sister, season seven. Yep. Episode one. Remember that one. Parks and Rec, it's hard. There were, there were a lot of great ones. It's a great show. There were a lot of great things in there. So, so that's... Because you produced that thing with the gumball rally. Yes. So then you, like you said, you oversaw it. And you got yeah. to kind of see the things that you could film that you would be able to use later. Right. And we had... We were sort of... Demarcated? Delineated? We were stratified in terms of camera Ooh, where... I love all those words. My job... From a cinematographical point of view, point to the camera guy there. You have to get a reaction shot of him too for the thing. There we go. Right there, Instagram. Vine it. Vine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Was getting wide shots and things that gave more of the context from a filming perspective, Mm. and then I would also get reaction shots, etc., etc. What was the question? 
<laughs> well, the question was just about like. Well, I was going to move towards. Segway. You talked about yeah, segue, uh, transition mm. toward uh, when you did that, you produced it, right. so you got to oversee what was being filmed. Right. Most of the time, that is not the case. No. And when you and you get what you get. Yeah. So and you don't get upset. And you don't get upset. <laughs> Do you sometimes go like, oh, I wish we had this, that, yeah, that happens. Less with scripted stuff, although on Parks and Recreation, because it was a fake documentary, occasionally you kind of wish that there was B-roll of things and stuff to... Right, right. Cut the to support. To. Or wouldn't it be good if the camera had been here for one? But then the fact is production is, is a crazy crapshoot where there's this much time to shoot this much stuff with stuff work, with shot it's midnight shows on Friday yeah everybody wants to get out of it's there. overtime blah, <laughs> yeah, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. so you don't always but that's the thing is that you're also you're editing the footage not the script or not anybody's idea so it's that mm. phase of see I did a segue there myself yes, did. where it's a case of you have the script you edit the script in TV and in film where it's this long it needs to be this long it's then a case of how do you take lines out, scenes out, without harming the story, and also the jokes from a comedy. From a comedy. Perspective. Especially. Yeah. Okay. Features I will... Features versus TV. What? Features versus TV. Yes. He threw that bone to you earlier. Did you? Yeah, I threw you a bone. You dropped oh. it. The dog is chewing it up there. Well, let me just do this now. Whoa! Yeah. Cut that out. Cracking some bones. Um... Right, so sketch to, to long-form television. <laughs> to features. Yeah. Um, so, so what is the difference? The longer. The longer. <laughs> you might say that the characters support a story as opposed to the story supporting the characters. Whoa! Blown away. Watch out. Yeah. Uh, watch out. I know nothing about anything. Um, but I'll use words like nice. I do. Uh, so you've worked on a few features. Yes. 18. I'm just throwing out a number. <laughs> I like that you thought about it. You don't have to... Six or seven? Okay, six or seven features. So, um... Most I've had to produce them myself in order to do them, but that's another story. Oh, it is another story, but you can yeah. also talk about it right now, if you want to. Well, how does that influence you as an editor when you produce something? Well, interesting you should ask that. Mm. When I worked on the Tom Green show, Tom had a psychic called Derek Harvey, who we did this one sketch where he wanted to throw in music from Queen and from Wham and Ab, you name it, ridiculous amounts of music. And I kept saying, well, we can't afford all that music. It's too expensive. And he said, I'm an artist, not an accountant. So when I'm working on someone else's shows, I take that approach, which is I'm an artist, not an accountant. So if I want to put in a needle drop that costs a ton of money, I'll put it in, let NBC or Fox take care of that. When I'm producing something, you have to be careful because if you're producing it, you then need to think about paying for it. Right, right, right. So just about all the features I've done have been super low budget. So it's a case of we're not going to drop that piece of music in there because it's going to cost too much money. Right. So you have a, the, the producer hat is more in terms of, at least at that point in terms of music because we shoot the, we've shot these four features. Donald Dawkins, Mouth Guitar Legend currently out on DVD, Pool Boy Draining Out the Fury on Netflix, FDR American Badass on Netflix also, and then 50K and Call Girl, which is in post right now, fin just finishing up. So with those, they're shot very cheaply, and then... That's my impersonation cheap. Yeah. <clears throat> and because it's easy to get edit systems up nowadays, you know, you're just making the movie as good as you can. And do you think... Uh... That was gibberish. No, not necessarily. I mean, you're saying that basically as a producer, you're thinking in terms of practicality. Right. But as an editor, you're thinking in terms of, well, this is what I have. Yeah. So exactly. I'm going to edit it how I see fit. And then if they are like, oh, well. And also the fact is that comedies, less than drama, unless they're comedies that have, you know, big emotional content, you're less thinking about, oh, well, we've got this angle here. Let's use this in this scene, even though we've got coverage elsewhere. You know, you're... you're, you're Weaving things through, right. you know, th there's less of that in comedy than there is in drama because it's not as if you're dealing with the camera's low in this scene and then as your status and my status change, which seems to be happening now, the cameras are changing, 
etc., etc. Right. So there's less of that to work with. Okay. It's more a case of what's funny. As opposed to? As opposed to... The emotional... Exactly. Story. Hmm. The character arcs in there. Exactly, in the deep backstory. The aha the, moments. Yeah. Things All that make, the things that you actors have created that have nothing to do with the plot. Things that make Robert McKee cry. Oh. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Bobby Max. Can we have a moment calling? for Bobby? Let's yeah. What? So I was, we were going to have a moment for Bobby, but... I didn't... Oh, I, didn't, I thought you said going to have one for Bobby. No, I was okay. like, can you have one? No. I don't, I don't know what you want. <laughs> I don't know what, what one is. There you go, Bobby. Next question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I totally forgot the next question uh, now. Boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. Oh. How many quarts to the floor? Um, that's not a question. Okay. <laughs> I know you got scared right there Three, for five seconds. What is that? 3.18. Oh, okay, yeah, that is true. Uh, the decimals keep going further, but we won't get into that right now. Uh, <laughs> sorry, did someone just, something just flushed. Something just flushed. So, so Lunch. <laughs> is that the sushi or the barbecue? It's probably barbecue on the sushi, you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah. Whoa. Out. Oh, watch out. Uh, okay, well, we were talking about features. Yes. Jeez, now I, ah, oh, it was so uh, good, this question. Do you have one? <laughs> Go ahead. You guys can lob them out. Yeah. No? I actually did have one of you. Okay, Ooh. tell it to me. Okay, you're and then gonna, look yeah. at me while she asks it. I'll, I'll I'll move my mouth like I'm saying it. Go ahead. But what's it like working in the edit suite with a director who's also in what you're cutting? So working with Larry or working with Amy because she directed the debate and she's also obviously featured in it. Is there a different dynamic when they're cutting themselves or helping you or? Great question. <laughs> Best question yet, actually. Oh, okay. Um, I think it, it just comes down to who the person is, because I've worked with some talent who aren't very good at cutting themselves and others who are great, and that's just a function of whether they have that skill and that ability to divorce themselves from their own performance or bits that they really loved. It's a case of are they able to take a step back and objective. service the story right. and the and the comedy, because because a lot of times people will say, some people will say, I really want to be in a close up there, or do we have there was a take where I did this, or as a take where I did that, which doesn't particularly serve the story. Right. One of the advantages serves them, but not the story. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say one of the things is that also in TV you're dealing with the executive producer slash showrunner who you're working with, but then you're also dealing with, if it's for, say, MTV, the MTV executives. Then if you're doing a network show, you've got the studio, and then you have the network. So you're getting notes from multiple sources and dealing with multiple people's agendas and desires. And <laughs> there are, for example, 1600 Pen, the first episode I worked on, the initial cut we sent, was much more cinematic than the final show ended up being. The studio wanted it to have more of a typical TV feel where you're in a wide shot, you're in a medium shot, you're in a close-up, you're on the joke, let's have the close-up, okay. which is a visual language that people really recognise. Yeah. Whereas there were ways to cut that show where you could have much longer takes, but it just wouldn't feel like a TV show. Um, can you speak more about, I liked what you said, visual language? That uh, that people can recognize. So, what can you tell me? Like the difference between the visual language of comedy, as opposed to a TV comedy, as opposed to a drama. No, you hate it. No, I could no. Because <laughs> the thing of it is that a lot of comedy mm -hmm. plays really nicely in two shot. Like us, this could just play in two shot because it's just. Zip zap, but there's great chemistry. It's I'm feeling something. I don't know if you're feeling anything. You know, it's one for Bobby. Exactly. McKee? Yeah. Me and Bobby McKee. Now, when you get into TV, they, if you're not cutting, cutting, they're feeling like it's slow. So right. when you cut, it makes it feel like there's more pace going on. Okay. So a lot of times in features and in comedies as well, they'll just let shots play if you, if, if you can, if the timing is great. What's the question? The visual language of... Yes. Um, and comparing it to a drama. Yeah. The thing is, in a drama, a lot of the time, you can 
be in a two shot and then because it's a dramatic moment you cut to a beautiful close up can we cut to a close up here mm-hmm. um, and you'll make the impact I you, like need, that. you need with that so which brings brings you to your next question which is what's the difference between cutting a drama and cutting a comedy mm-hmm. well one's dramatic one's comedic it's obvious oh, however no. but the thing of it is that have I said that a lot? I've said the thing of it is quite a lot. I don't... I will kind of... Here's the thing <laughs> of it is that wh- whether it's a comedy or a drama, what you're looking for is that authentic moment right. that serves the story. So whether it's a dramatic moment or a comedic moment, for me, doesn't make a huge difference. Okay. And obviously, certain people have more of an inclination towards things that are dramatic. There are ways you can cut to elongate moments in drama. Mm. Sometimes you'll compress them to make them funny. And things could be funnier if they're tighter. Things could be more dramatic if they take more time. Okay. So in terms of wide shot, medium, close, camera moving, it's just a case of what tells the story in the best possible way. Okay. You seem disappointed with this answer. No, no, I was about to say capiche. Capiche. It's all copacetic. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's a question uh, that I just thought of. That I don't know how you're gonna feel about it. No, I. We're talking about all the different technology. Technology has we have talked about it, changed in how people edit things. So with the with something like the proliferation of the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, good word. Yeah. I so, so good at my SATs. Now, actually, I think you do know. Do you feel that amateur videos have influenced? style of professional videos. What, you hate... Oh, no. Okay, I don't know. It's like, it's like a bullshit question. I think, what, <laughs> I think what the proliferation of technology has done has made it so that editing seems easier than it is. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just a piece of software that anybody can learn. Um, Ostensibly. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, the kids... Right, can right. Learn a piece of software. They can get Final Cut Pro and they're like, exactly. Then go ahead and do it, and it's not that difficult, you know. In point, out point, video, audio, it's, and because it's more democratic, so to speak. When I made that Flesh Suitcase film, we worked on the D Vision, and it was just fucking ridiculous. I had a friend who was a tech genius who managed to set it up, but in the early days of Avid, those systems cost one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now mm. you can get Avid for a couple of grand, or Final Cut Pro, or you can from the internet which has proliferated so I think one of the things that happened is that back in film days it was more technical and more specific of coding and cutting and trims and right it wasn't like you know you could just have a little box and learn it yourself so I think that's made it so it seems like it's not as big a job as it is which leads you to your next question of I feel like editing, in a way, is one of the most complete filmmaking jobs. Mm. Not to disregard anybody else's contribution, but you're dealing with script, you're dealing with performance, you're dealing with shot size, you're dealing with pacing, and because of the way technology goes, you're dealing with music and sound effects, because generally, if you're working on a show with music, the cut that you deliver needs music in it. If you're doing a big scene in a ballroom... You're laying in backgrounds and hard effects for doors opening and closing, so you're building a whole, you know, visual scape and a soundscape. Visual mm. scape? Visiscape. A visiscape. 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 Yeah. We need some more beers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait, sir? No, sir, no problem. I didn't really mean that. You have more to say? Of about anything? Well, I guess I'm just thinking you're about it style, stylistically. Yeah, you're kicking me out? But no, no. I, I just wanted to make sure you were finished answering okay. that yeah, question before I asked the follow-up. Ooh. Before I follow <laughs> it up. Because I guess I'm, I'm more curious about this, the, the rhythms of like a viral video. Mm-hmm. For instance, there's this. I, I feel like there's an idea of what a viral video is supposed to look like or feel like. Right. And how it looks and how it flows. And do you feel that that has influenced filmmaking and television making at I large. Think, I think MTV is the real beast. Okay. Because remember, you know, that MTV style of, of fast cuts, music videos, and I think everybody's watching everything else now. Yeah. All the time. Well, most of the time. Well, MTV always used to look feel like a public access show. Like, uh, yeah, like Tom Green kind of 
flows like a public access show. Because it, it begins a it public, was a public access, access show. Because it begins but, but, you know, there was that MTV style for a while back in the day. There was, like, old fast cutting and swish pans and, you know, cutting to, yeah. cutting to rhythms. Yeah. Yeah. So I think everybody's looking at everything else. Because if you look at Parks and Rec and The Office... Which came from the English, The Office. Right. It's this mockumentary camera as a as a as a character talking heads. Only one cold ones. Oh, I think I should take it warm. I was joking about the beer, but obviously you're not. Great service. Cheers. Cocaine. Yes. Cheers to Robert McKee. Pour some out for Robert. Pour some for the Sid Fields that ain't here. Oh. But you were saying, the MTV, the fast-cutting, the fast-paced cutting. And if you look at how fe- a lot of features are cut, they're cut a lot more quickly than they used to be back in the day. I've watched... Bay. What? Michael Bay. Michael Bay? Yeah, Michael Bay. We Mickey, love Michael Bay. Mickey, Hi, Mickey Bay Bay. Um, I watched... What did I watch the other day? Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, the, the original. original. Yeah. yeah, not often I your protagonist just is, talking is about impotent. That yesterday. But there are these... You know, tons of that is just tracking shot... You you look at, I mean, a ton of those older movies where seventies, yeah, second you'll, golden age. You'll be on this shot. We'll both be talking. It'll run for ten, fifteen seconds. There isn't a need to be on you. Well, well there is close up on this man all the time. But there isn't. There wasn't a need then for Movement. cut to you. Yeah. Cut to you every every time in the close up. You know, there right. wasn't. There wasn't that. And do you think it's because of the patience of the audience? It all fe- I think it all feeds in. Right. It's that thing of, well, you give the public what they want, but what the public want is what they've been given. That's another video. Art imitating life or life imitating art. Yeah. I get wild. Yeah. Oscar wild. Bubbles. Oops. (laughs) Bubbles wild. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, Okay. Anything else? No? Yeah, I was going to, I just want to know, do you have a favorite episode of Parks and Rec that you cut? Yeah, I did, you mother... Sorry. <laughs> um, I know, did you? I haven't seen every one of the episodes you cut. I don't know. Neither have I. You cut like 30 of them. 39. I do have two more questions, I, but you can try that. I really like the first one because it was the first one. The, um, <laughs> Establishing the whole world of... No, it was the first one that I cut. I, was, oh, I came on season cut. two. It was All the right. one where someone's planted a marijuana garden in that she's got that garden in the pit. Someone's planted weed down there. And Andy's all distraught because Anne's dumped him, and they go on. It's the stakeout, directed by Seth Gordon. Good old Sethy Gords. Nobody calls him that, but I just did. Nice. So, is what is something that you've seen recently that you found in Fresh Meat? Fresh Meat. Watch it on Hulu. It's an English show. It's, it's called English Fresh comedy. Meat. It's called Fresh Meat. And you like it a lot. Yeah. You like how it flows. You like how it does. Yes, I like it shot too. Okay. I like comedies to be shot nicely too. There's there are a lot of comedies like the Judd Apatow. A lot of the Judd Apatow stuff is shot kind of loose in terms of its style, mm-hmm. just because they go for cross coverage, so the angles are looser. Then you have someone like Todd Phillips who likes his stuff to be nice and tight and yeah. cinematic. I mean, I like both. The thing is, you you get a lot more freedom in what you can capture if you're allowing for improv. Right. Right. But also, it's nice if it looks good too. Mm. Well, that's a good one. What do you think is a, What do you think that uh, a lot of uh, people making comedy could glean? What could they go towards? What would you like to see more in comedy and how it's put out? Do what's in your heart. <laughs> Follow your dreams. <laughs> it's all good. Oh, dreams! Is that a new program? Is that better than Follow Abbott? your dreams? Yeah. Yeah. Do you like no, it better than that? It's on after Fresh Meat on Hulu. Oh, perfect. Okay. Fresh Meat's good. I really love comedy that has heart to it, and I think with Parks and Rec, one of the things you get with a lot of the characters is that there's there's a grounding to it. Mm-hmm. FDR American Badass, for example, Barry Bostwick plays FDR, and he plays it really real, even though it's ridiculous. Mm. And I think for a, for a lot of comedy, it makes it makes it work better if there's if it's actually grounded. And then when you have ridiculous moments, they're they came playing because well, there's a contrast as well. Right, right, right. Uh, anything that you're working on now that you're enjoying? No, nope. hate everything. A little, little, little bit of a downtime right now. I finished okay. sixteen hundred pen recently and waiting to see. I didn't get Zach's pilot, for example. Oh my god! Don't tell him. Um, <laughs> 
So yeah, we'll see. Cool. Anything else? Anything else? Guys? Yeah. I think All we're right. good. Just point to say I have Victor. Thank you for joining us and shake his hand. Well, he's to be intro first. Well, no. For, first we, had, we have an outro, too. Intro. No, I want to watch the intro. Hey. <laughs> I've invicted. Thank you for joining us. Oh, we can't oh. do that. <laughs> Cut that out. Blur it. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Can we? Cheers. It's nice to join you. Let's do one clean. Okay. <laughs> hey, Ivan Victor. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Split screen. That's a definite split screen. <laughs> that was a split screen. Uh, so I need to do an introduction now, right? I'll stand at the back and I'll make faces. Oh, well, don't do that. No, no, you, you have to sit down. You gotta sit oh, there. Oh, I thought you said I could go. This is where the graphics are gonna come in. There's gonna be like a, a kind of like a weird like graphic that comes in. It's gonna say your name. That's all stuff you're not familiar with. No. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, there's gonna be music. When are we doing? Kind of the, when are we doing the interview? Tijuana brass band. It's gonna <laughs> be That's gonna be the music. Hey, welcome to the cut. I'm Darren Vaughn, and I'm here today with Ivan Victor. Ivan Victor, who's done a mea work. He has worked from. Things that are. So, <laughs> I'll do something real. <laughs> Sticks. Uh, hi, welcome to In the Cut. I'm Baron Vaughn, and today I'm speaking to Ivan Victor, who has worked on many a thing from Tom Green Show to Parks and Rec. Hello there, Ivan. Hello. <laughs> that was a bit too much eye contact for me. But In that last part? Yeah. You scanning me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this Rick, the story of Ricky L? Check the gate. Michael, yeah. Bay, Michael Bay doesn't check the gate. Did you know that? He just doesn't want because he doesn't want to know no, that no. of the twenty thousand feet he shot in that one camera over the last half hour. His uh, friend of mine does Steadicam for him. Said he works out that over the course of his big shoots, he'll waste two to three days checking the gate. It's so worth it. And the, the chances are that if there's a pube in the gate and it's a shot they use, it's cheaper to fix it than to waste the time to check the gate. Cheaper That's to actually fix pretty the smart. pube? The pube. The pube, as in, as in like a hair in the yeah. gate. Right, like to take it out yeah. later. Yeah. There's just, you know, like you say, 20,000 feet, so yeah. why yeah. bother having...